0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Runback Podcast, exclusively presented by the Variety Sports Network. So as we all know, the Georgia Bulldogs, obviously they're national champions. They ran through everybody, you know, they only had one hiccup all year now as to Alabama, and they avenged that in the national championship game to claim... Kirby Smart, his first national championship as a head coach. Congratulations to him once again. And the University of Georgia decided to reward him for that by giving him the highest paid contract for any college football coach in America. They threw this man a 10-year, $112.5 million contract. That's eye-popping numbers to me. That's crazy good money. But man, does he have a lot of success. His overall record as a head coach is 66-15. and That's amazing. Kirby Smart, you know, he learned under Nick Saban at Alabama. And when he got the chance to jump to the Georgia Bulldogs, he played football for Georgia, so it was a natural fit. He... Immediately pounced on it, and he has got that program right there. They're they're there. They're right there with Alabama. They're fighting for the crown right right now for the uh, Alpha Dog in the NCAA football. I was blown away when I seen the one hundred twelve and a half million dollars. That's a sickening, life changing amount of money. It got me thinking, who else in college football is getting that sickening money? And so I dove right in and I looked it all up. Some of these guys on this list, to me, are severely overpaid for multiple reasons. Some, they haven't proven themselves quite yet. The, The sample size has been really small. Some of them have more than proved themselves, and I think should make more than what they do, as crazy as that sounds. College football generates a sickening amount of money, and it shows when you see how much these offensive coordinators, you see how much money these athletic departments are pumping into their college football programs. It's because that's what generates the bulk of the revenue for these universities, sold-out crowds. These these top 10 coaches here that I have for the highest-paid I'm going to just start going off right now. Number 10, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M Aggies. He's making $7.5 million a season. I personally think he should be higher up on this list. I'm not necessarily the biggest Jimbo Fisher fan. I don't like the way he's did this last recruiting class. I think Nick Saban, when he called him out of media days for buying his recruiting class, he wasn't lying. He was not lying. They bought this recruiting class through name, image, and likeness, which is which is not how it was supposed to be. Name, image, and likeness did not come around so you could pay to play people. It was to supplement income for... for college athletes that have already committed to a university to profit off their name image and likeness and in a couple of schools in the south massively the sec it's pay to play it's free agency and there's loopholes to the name image and likeness and they fully exposed all of them and they're taking full advantage of it and i think jimbo did a master class of that and you know what as long as it's not against the rules and he found the loophole hats off to him because this is a competitive sport and you have to do everything in your power to get the competitive advantage and if you got to dangle some cash in front of these top tier recruits so you can put a premium product on the field and win championships so be it i mean i would do the same thing if i was in his shoes but as an outsider i don't like it but Jimbo Fisher has won a national championship with the Florida State Seminoles when he had Jameis Winston, Heisman Trophy winner, first overall pick to the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's, he's put proven winners on the field. He's got proven recruiting classes. He just had the best recruiting class ever, composite score rating. Uh, he's in the SEC West, tough division. I think he's going to start fighting for first place in that thing pretty soon. I mean, he's going to he's gonna be competing, guys, really soon for, for conference championships there year in and year out unless he gets hit with some recruiting violations, which who knows the way things are going. I mean, look at Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Just got hammered with 18 Code 1 violations. Those are major. Dude, Tennessee's in trouble, guys. They're going to get hammered right now. And what did it get him? What did it get them? What did Tennessee get for those 18 violations? Jeremy Pruitt didn't win nothing there. He didn't win nothing there for for all those violations. That's sad. You're going to cheat. You better win. He he didn't win at all. But back to the 10. Jimbo Fisher, $7.5 million a year. Good money still, but I think for a national championship and his record, he's 117 and 37 overall as a head coach. It's pretty good, guys. He should be a little higher up this list. Number nine, Mario Cristobal. This one, to me, he's profiting off the hype train right now. And when I say this, I won't deny he's had a really good couple seasons at Oregon. But I really dove into this guy's record as a head coach in his prior seasons to Oregon. His overall record, he's 62-60. and He is barely a 500 head coach. Now he obviously had he was at lower tier programs before Oregon. He just had Kayvon Thibodeau. You know he's had some ballers. That's a top five draft pick in the NFL draft last season. He can recruit absolutely whenever you give him the money and and the and the brand like he had and he went to his alma mater the Miami Hurricanes so there's a brand there he's down on that south florida talent can he keep the momentum rolling i think so but for he's making 8 million dollars a year Sixty-two and sixty as a head coach, guys. He's making more than Jimbo Fisher, and like I said, Jimbo's won one hundred and seventeen games to thirty-seven losses. So I just think that that's a little out of out of place there. Mario doesn't deserve to be a top ten paid college football head coach. I think he's thriving on the hype. He's thriving on the now, which good for him. But mm, that's a lot of money, man. A lot of money. Number eight, Dabo Sweeney. He deserves to be higher up on this list, in my opinion. He's a two-time national champion. He's played in three of them. First overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. He's had Deshaun Watson. This guy has been an elite recruiter. He's had great teams. He's won ACC championships. He's made the college football playoffs as much as anybody else. He's getting paid $8.37 million a year with a 150-36 and 36 record, counting the postseason. That is fabulous he deserves to be a little bit higher up this list. Keep an eye on him this year, guys. Clemson stacked. They're coming back. They're mad. Watch out for Dabo. He's he's going to have another phenomenal season. Number 7. This one blew my mind. This one blew my mind. I don't think this guy deserves to be in the top 10, let alone the top 15, let alone the top 20. But you have David Shaw. Head coach for the Stanford Cardinal. Now let me just say this about David Shaw. When he took over the Stanford Cardinal, they were winners. He had great years. His first numerous seasons there, when he first got there, they were really good. He's compiled a 93-45 and 45 record. So obviously he wins. But the last, what, four, five seasons, they have been bad. And I mean bad. And obviously it's Stanford, so they have extremely hard academic standards to get in there. He just can't go pick and choose all these elite athletes that he wants. They don't have the GPA or the grades to get into that school. So his hands are tied to a certain extent. But this guy is making $8.925 million to win four and five football games a year. He's got to turn this around there. If I'm alumni, I'm sick to my stomach seeing what he makes. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to ride it out there. But who knows? People have have turned ship around before. So David Shaw, number seven highest paid coach in college football, that blew my mind. He shouldn't be top 10, top 20. I, I don't think so. Number six, Ryan Day. This guy has earned every dollar he's made. He's 34 and four as a head coach. He makes $9.5 million a season. They win. They win every year going into the season. They aspire for a national championship. That's their goal every year. You know, some teams just hope that they can make the conference championship game that's not good enough for them they want college football playoff berths and national championships that's the pedigree that they've that's the bar they've set in that school and uh that's that's phenomenal i'm glad they are our arch rival i'm glad there are a they're i'm so glad they're at the top of the food chain it makes us look that much better when we beat them Didn't happen a lot, obviously. We just got the win over him, but I'm hoping that momentum can keep going. You always want to play good competition. Iron sharpens iron. When they're good, we're good. They just have been better. But he's earned every dollar he's got there. He's pumped in first-round defensive ends. He's pumped in first-round wide receivers, first-round quarterbacks. I mean, multiple NFL draft picks. That's a factory right there. They're up there with the best of the best in college football. Number five, this one is a hype train to me. Overpaid, capitalizing on the moment, and I'm talking about Mel Tucker at Michigan State. He signed a 10-year, $95 million contract with added incentives in there that could could raise that well over that. Guys, he's 18-14 and 14 as a head coach. 18 and 14 as a head coach. And they threw him a 10-year, $95 million contract. Thank you, Kenneth Walker. That's what I'd be saying right now if I was him. Thank you, Kenneth Walker, for transferring to this school and having a almost a Heisman-worthy season. Because without him, I don't know if he gets that contract. I... Eh he beat he beat Michigan this year but man 10 years 95 million dollars for an 18 and 14 head coach I need to see more I need to see way more if I'm gonna throw those kinds of Benjamin's at him hype train although in his defense he does have a couple really good recruiting classes he's got another good one lining up right now he's in the running for multiple four stars. If he can keep the recruiting going good there, who knows? He can probably build that program up into a powerhouse. I mean, Big Ten football, that's attractive right there. Moving on, number four, Brian Kelly. He also is on a 10-year, $95 million contract with plenty of incentives in it to boost it up. When he left Notre Dame to hop to LSU, I, I was like, this is it this is it this guy's gonna win a national championship i think he can there he's gonna recruit with the best of them now he's not gonna be held back at all there's the no offense but the academic standards falling off dramatically going from notre dame to lsu you're you're talking about elite private catholic institution that's high on academics and sports to a to a football powerhouse in the SEC that wants to win football games. And there's a difference. The administration wants to win and a little bit more lenient on standards to get into the program. So now his pool of recruits just open wide up. This guy's 284, 97, and two as a head coach. Think about that. He's been coaching for a long time. There's twelve regular season games in a conference championship. 13, 15 games now at the college football playoffs if you're, if you're lucky. He's 284, 97 and 2. He's obviously got the resume. He's gonna get people to want to play hard for him. And rightfully so. He's a he's a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Number three. This one's a little deceiving, but this is the greatest college football coach of all time, and that's Nick Saban. He is making $9.5 million currently this year, but he's on a sliding scale. So every year of his contract, it goes up just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, all the way until the 28-29 season where he's going to make $11.5 million, where as it sits right now, he'll hop Kirby Smart. Not by much, but that's years down the road. And I think by the time we reach the twenty eight, twenty nine season, there's already it that's not gonna be the top anymore. People are gonna hop that. I mean, look at all the contracts in sports nowadays, like every single year it's just like, oh, this person's getting offered oh, this is a four hundred million dollar contract in baseball. Oh now they're talking about a five hundred million dollar contract. Look at NBA contracts, supermax deals. They just continue to go up. Everything is going up. So I think this 11.5 million mark will be passed easily before the 28-29 season. But as it stands right now, he's the third highest paid head coach. And he's on a sliding scale to make up to 11.5. He should be the number one overall paid coach, guys. It's like it's not even. That's not even up for debate. But moving on to number two, this one's a little tricky. It's Lincoln Riley at USC. So not a whole lot is known about his deal there because USC is a private institution. They don't have to disclose that information if they don't want to. But everything I'm reading says he's making $110 million. No one knows the length of it. And USC did a lot of things, guys, to get him from Oklahoma. He had two houses in Norman, Oklahoma, he put them both up for sale, and USC purchased them both for 500000 over his asking price, so essentially gave him a $1 million bonus. They bought him a $6 million house in L.A. That's huge right there. And they offered him unlimited use of a private jet 24-7 for his family. Wow. So... The perks he got, making the jump. You see why he left a blue blood in Oklahoma to go to USC. They're going to be a powerhouse as well. Now he's going to be joining the Big Ten. Way more money involved in their TV contracts. That's a wealthy, wealthy conference. They're joining it. It's only going to get wealthier. The TV deal is going to get bigger. Lincoln Riley's going to crank out some elite recruiting classes, and you're going to see... USC football will be back. They will be back. It's going to be a new look, USC though, because obviously you know how Lincoln Rally is. He slings that football around the field. They're going to put up big numbers. He took that Oklahoma offense with him. He took Caleb Williams with him. He just got Jordan Addison transferring in there. Former Belikinoff winner from the Pitt Panthers. They're stacked. They've got a lot of they got a good core. And he's going to build off that. And number one, obviously, you got the ten-year Kirby Smart deal for one hundred and twelve point five million. That that kicked off this list and got me really curious about who was the top paid guys. That list is crazy. These guys are college football coaches. You know, they're making as much as NFL head coaches. Not all of them. I don't. I think of Bill Belichick and, Sean McVay. They probably make more than Kirby Smart, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that top 10 list, they're definitely paid more than a lot of head coaches in the NFL that are coaching professional athletes. And when I think about it, I would much rather, much rather, be a head coach in the NFL. As much as I love college football, if I'm looking at this from a head coaching standpoint, do you get an off day as a college football head coach in today's day and age? In 2022, do you get an off day? Absolutely not. You have the transfer portal. You're constantly going to have to worry about your guys getting poached. You got to keep your guys happy. They're going to want to leave. You got to recruit every single day of the year. Do S- you think the SEC takes a day off in recruiting? Absolutely not. They're recruiting every single day, and you have to. NFL coaches, I mean, I could be totally wrong on this, but I feel like they get an off season. And while the great ones probably don't stop studying, you know, and trying to learn and grow their memory and their knowledge, They get a GM that gets to handle all the contracts. You know, your free agents, your trades, your drafting. Yeah, you get an input on who you want to draft, but there's a team around you in place that handles a lot of the financial stuff. Whereas in college, you're just recruiting, 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 recruiting year-round. If you cool off on a recruit, you think those other 20 schools are cooling off? Absolutely not. You're going to lose your spot. Lose your spot, lose your guy. Lose your guy over and over again, you're in trouble. So they've got to stay on their P's and Q's year-round. So that is why they're getting that pay. They don't have an off-season. That just shattered me, though, guys. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Hard-working people will never see that money in their lifetime, but... I guess you could say, you know, hard-working people don't generate the kind of revenue these guys do, and that's why they get that money. Something else I've been seeing in the headlines lately. Old Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi. I think I'm saying his name right. Pit Panther fans, you could uh, get mad at me all you want on this one. I don't mean to disrespect your program, but I do think your head coach needs to get checked. He's going on all these podcasts, talking to all these people about how if Pitt joined the Big Ten, they'd be champions year in and year out. I laughed so hard when I seen this. It's not even funny at all. Pat Narduzzi is 39-33 and 33 as a head coach. and and he said Pitt would win the Big Ten every year if they joined it. That's a very bold claim there, Cotton. This was his best year as a head coach ever, and he had Kenny Pickett, obviously drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers at quarterback, great quarterback, you had the off winner in Jordan Addison, best wide receiver in college football. You had a defensive back in Damari Mathis who got drafted by the Denver Broncos. He had some studs on that roster, and it was fueled by the Kenny Pickett-Jordan Addison combo. Great quarterback and wide receiver can tear some people up in college football. But... You think you could go to the Big Ten and win a championship every year. Your team, at best, is a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team, just like you are a middle-of-the-road ACC team. The ACC's been down to me. They've been down. Minus Clemson, look at them. North Carolina, the last few years, you know, since Mac Brown got back there, they've had some good... Teams, but Florida State are, i mean—are they even relevant anymore? Miami before Cristobal, I mean, they're above average. I mean, NC State. Come I and mean, come on, who's Pitt? Best year you've ever had this year under under Narduzzi? Best year? You're not stacked. The ACC does play good football. You are not stacked like the SEC or the Big Ten. So to go out on all these podcasts and say, oh, we beat Big Ten champions every year, you get smacked every year in the Big Ten, dude. Your team would get smacked every year in the Big Ten. You would never beat Ohio State. You would never beat Michigan. You would never beat Penn State. You would struggle mightily with Wisconsin. You would struggle with the Nebraska Cornhuskers who have been struggling Maybe last year you beat Nebraska, but let's look at your roster this year going forward. Can you replicate those same numbers you did last year? I don't know. I will tell you one thing in Pitt's favor. They got a cupcake schedule coming up. Cupcake schedule. And maybe that's why he's talking all this ish on all these podcasts. Maybe he's just trying to stoke the flames and fires boys up in the locker room. You know, who, who doesn't want a head coach going out there talking like he's talking, but... Man, if I had Man, I don't even know if they're beating Minnesota. I don't know if they're beating they they could probably hang with Indiana and Purdue, but no disrespect to those two programs. They're just they're a middle of the road program. And he's going out and talking all that ish. Dude, he said he said what what was it? What was it? The bowl game last year, they played the Michigan State Spartans. They were winning going into the third or fourth quarter. And they ended up losing. He lost. And he's still talking that game like, we could join the Big That's one of the better teams in the Big Ten. We could join there and win every year. No, you couldn't. Yeah, you had Kenny Pickett not playing. Okay. Michigan State didn't have Kenneth Walker playing. One of the best running backs in the league. College football last year. This dude was a a Heisman finalist almost. Or he might have been. He lit it up. They were missing their best player. Why don't you put? Why don't you say that? Why don't you come out and say that whenever you're going around talking all this, all this game about how Pitt would win the Big Ten every year? That that's the funniest thing you've ever said in your entire life. <laughs> ACC football, I'm not knocking them, but they've been down minus Clemson. Now I'm hoping, as a college football fan, I'm hoping Cristobal can bring Miami back, the U-back, that storied franchise. I hope Florida State can rise again to prominence because it's sad when those schools are bad. It just makes the ACC look down to me, and I'm sure to everybody else. But Pat Narduzzi, man, you must have found the good stuff before you went on all these talking all that game, man. I, I I want to see it again and again out of you. This was the best year you've ever had, dude, in your in your career, and and then and then he goes as far as saying, "I'm coached in the Big Ten. Yeah, you used to coach in Michigan State." He says, "I know the landscape. So if you know the landscape, you should know your place," and and that's maybe middle of the road at best. I'm not knocking Pitt. I'm kind of knocking the fact that your coach is crazy. You've had some good teams. You've had good players come through that school. You just had a great season. But come on, we all know you're not ever going to, if you ever did join the Big Ten, which I don't even know if they'd ever let you in, you would never win a Big Ten championship. Not as him as your head coach and not with who you got coming in as recruits. The bulk of that roster is three-star recruits. No disrespect. They they do get some four-star recruits. The bulk of college teams are compiled of three star recruits. I think there are far better coaches in the Big Ten. And they're going to coach their three stars up better than your three stars up. But anymore, I just think Pat Narduzzi's crazy. Show me again. Show me another good year. Blow through this cupcake schedule. Win the ACC. Beat Clemson. Make the playoffs. Then you could start talking this game anytime you want because you backed it up don't be the one hit wonder pat because that's because that's uh now i'm going to keep an eye on pitts games just just so i can remember i, I remember these statements you know and i just want to see how well his team is this going to make his team crumble or are they going to play up for this Are they going to be psyched their coaches talking this game you know i i i used to like when my coach talked like that but 39 and 33, Pat. Don't forget that. So, moving on. I, uh, I'm going to throw out some college football facts. People might not know. People might know. But I thought they were pretty interesting. And uh, it puts a lot of things in perspective. In high school, roughly every year, there's almost 1.1 million high school football players. 70,000 of them go and play college football. Of which, 6,500 of them get scouted by the NFL each year. 350 get invited to the combine. And only 256 get drafted. And of those 256... Maybe 150 of them stay in the league for longer than four years. 0.01% of high school football players make it in the league and stay for four years. Does that put in perspective how good the NFL players are today? And I think we all take it for granted. They are the best of the best that that that's a crazy stat I had to throw in here because I'm like man wow that one that one's that one's impressive next up you know this I thought this one was funny I just had to throw it in here you know just just because so Georgia way back when back in the 1800s they uh they had a goat as their mascot, as their unofficial mascot. They would use a goat as like luck charms and stuff, and I just thought that was so funny. that they, they went from that to this ferocious bulldog they have adopted now. And, uh, that one made me laugh a little bit. USC. Players at USC do not get to pick the number 55. If they want to wear it, they have to earn it. 55 is considered the anchor of the defense for the Trojans and only the head coach can assign that number. No player can just come in there, I want 55, you got to earn it. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know that. This is another one I found was really interesting. So, before Gatorade was created on the Florida campus, Bengal Punch was made at LSU's campus by their athletic trainer, Dr. Martin Broussard, in 1958. It is believed to be the first sports drink ever predating Gatorade by seven years. This makes you wonder if uh, they might have stolen a little bit of the Bengal Punch and then look at Gatorade today. It's a national brand, guys. It's, it's, it runs the sports drink world. You got Under Armour that made a run at them but Gatorade quickly cemented themselves as the top rehydration drink. I like this one because it was uh it's local to me, you know. Missouri University is credited with establishing the tradition of homecoming back in 1911 they started it. The athletic director called all the alumni to come home for their big football game against arch-rival Kansas Jayhawks. Boy, did that one age well. Kansas is abysmal in football now. Good basketball program, horrible in football. But Mizzou's credited with that, and all these other high schools and colleges obviously adopted it and made it a tradition at their schools. I thought that was neat. The first national broadcast of a college football game was September 29, 1951. Duke at Pittsburgh. It was the first coast-to-coast broadcast ever. And it's obviously evolved into what it is today. Mega TV contracts with Fox, ESPN, ABC. It's, that game started all. The broadcasting stuff the longest win streak in college football. Let's 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 think about this one. The longest win streak in college football. It's by a blue blood, of course. Their head coach just bolted and went to the West Coast. The Oklahoma Sooners have the sh- longest win streak in all of college football. They won 47 straight games from 1953 to 1957. Who ended that streak? Another blue blood program. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish broke that streak. Who had the longest losing streak in college football? This one I wouldn't have guessed, but it makes sense. You know? The Northwestern Wildcats. Lost 34 straight games in a row from 1979 to 1982. Wow. Think about that. 12 games in a year. They essentially lost three complete seasons without a win. And the first college football game was November 6th, 1869. It was Princeton and Rutgers in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and Rutgers won by a final score of 6-4. to four. And it was almost like essentially soccer. There was 25 people on each side on the field at the same time. It, but it helped lay the framework for what, what football would be and what it evolved into. I'd like to throw a shout-out to some affiliates and sponsors we have here at the Variety Sports Network. Uh, Row One Brand... You can get 15% off anything in the art gallery with code VSP15. Triple A Treats. 10% off any order when you mention Variety Sports Network. Guys, their stuff looks good. And in the clutch, 10% off your whole order with code Variety Sports. Variety Sports Network also has an online merchandise store at bonfire.com. There's some really cool gear on there. Check it out. Get get what you want to get off there. Pick up some swag. Represent. Support local. Support this small grassroots movement. Jump on. Like. Download. Follow all the Variety Sports Network guys. We're growing. The ball's rolling. Next episode I'll have coming up here really soon... I'm going to start jumping more into college football now. It's coming up, guys. We're about a month away. I'm super pumped. Like I've been saying, I will be hitting some tailgates. I'll be representing variety sports. I look forward to dropping more of these. I look forward to interacting with more people. Give it a like, share, follow. Until next time, Runback Nation, I'm signing off.